John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And waiting for Brian McKinney to join us here from the Believe Podcast Network and talk about the Minnesota Vikings, a team that has really struggled so far this year. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because I, you know, I'm very tight with their general manager, Rick Spielman, and did a story on him, you know, how I thought he did a good job uh, trying to get through a very difficult situation. Because what you're looking at is that, uh, you know, they had a lot of big contracts coming due, and they knew that uh, in, what you do is in the NFL, you have a three-year plan. You know, you have to plan three years ahead because all of a sudden, if you have the success of getting good players, you have to pay those players. But all of a sudden, now you're looking at so many guys making over $10 million, it just wasn't going to work. And so what they had to end up doing is letting guys go, letting Everson Griffin go, letting Linville Joseph go. And, of course, I know that uh, what Mike Zimmer ended up saying is that, uh, and, uh, and Rick said this too, is that defense, which has been so good for so long with Mike Zimmer, is pretty much in their seventh year, which is a little long longer than uh, you normally have. And so they had to make the sacrifices. You know, Xavier Rhodes, he ended up leaving. You know, they had to get rid of him. They got rid of their top three cornerbacks. But I thought that they dodged the bullet pretty well on defense in one sense. And now it turned out that's not, maybe not the case. Is that what they did is that they came back and, you know, they had Daniil Hunter there and they traded for Unique and Dockway. And I'm thinking, okay, you got two edge pass rushers that can get 25 plus sacks total between the two of them. That keeps you alive and buys time for your young cornerbacks to be able to survive well guess what it didn't happen daniel hunter we find out you know he had a neck problem and so uh he goes on injured reserve and now the talk is today that he may have to require neck surgery and he's going to be out for the season with a disc disc problem unique and dockway has done well the last two weeks got off to a little bit of a slow start but he's getting sacks and forced fumbles and things of that nature but you know they don't have much at the defensive tackle position because they let linville joseph go they brought in michael pierce a defensive tackle uh, for $9 million, and he opted out because of COVID's 19. And so now they're weaker at stopping the run. Then they lose Anthony Barr, one of their Pro Bowl caliber linebackers. You know, they're fortunate in the sense they have, you know, a, one of the better safety tandems in football with Harrison Smith and, uh, you know, uh, led by him because he's one of the best. Of course, he got ejected on Sunday. And so in the meantime, their defense has been Swiss cheese. They just get destroyed. And yeah, and you look at uh, – John, the the Vikings last year, the last couple of years, they've been kind of a perennial playoff team. They made it to the NFC Championship a few years ago with, uh, what was it, Case Keenum as their quarterback. They bring in Kirk Cousins. You'd think things would get better from there. They had 13 draft picks this last draft, uh, but they're 1-3 right now. Do you think Mike Zimmer's seat is getting warmer by the week, or, or did things cool off a little bit after they beat Houston? No, I just think I have to accept it, because remember, they just gave him a three-year extension. It's true. Yeah, so it's like, uh, you know, and you know, you you're only as good as sometimes the players that you have. And when you start taking out Pro Bowl players like Daniel Hunter and Anthony Barr, and you're going with the young cornerbacks, and I mean, you know, you you this will be what the uh, third game now you've watched coming up, uh, if not four, where you know some of the younger teams with younger corner cornerbacks, Minnesota that comes up this week because again they have two rookies that may end up starting. And of course they've had injuries at that spot to make him even younger. Uh, then we had I think four healthy uh, cornerbacks going into the game Sunday. And then you have Atlanta. They were young and vulnerable. Dallas was young and brutal. And you know Miami. 
at least they had, uh, you know, they didn't have Byron Jones, but they did get Xavier Howard. But uh, in the end, it's like uh, in, a, in a year like this where you have a pandemic, you have no offseason program, you have no preseason games. It's very difficult to, uh, you know, be able to you know, mount up and stop good quarterbacks. And right now, Russell Wilson is taking advantage of all that. He is, and you look at the the NFC North, John. Before the season, I think that was one of the tougher divisions to predict. Uh, you've got Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit, and Minnesota. Has it played out how you expected, or has it been kind of surprising? No, it's been surprising because I thought there was going to be a drop off in Green Bay, and there's no drop off, mainly because of the play of Aaron Rodgers, and <clears throat> he's been phenomenal. I mean, putting up close to 40 points a game, and uh, sometimes doing it without hardly any wide receivers. So he's been masterful. Then you got, I saw, but I, I thought a lot of it was, you know, their success last year, winning 13 games, was because they had an easy schedule. Well, right now they've got an easy start to this schedule but uh they're winning and aaron Rodgers is carrying the team i think do we have brian mckinney right now okay hey brian mckinney from the believe and of course one of the longtime nfl great left tackles and you've got the believe podcast uh network out that you're doing a podcast on what type of things are you talking about now on the vikings and that zero and four start um actually it's a one and three start but one and three you're right sorry about that yeah we were just talking about um, how, like, the past two weeks, even with the Titans, the offense looks like they're starting to gel. And then um, we've seen, you know, yet three break up, breakout stars with over 100 yards um, this past week against the Texans. So we're hoping that the offense is now starting to build momentum and be able to try to turn the season around. Yeah, I've always liked Kirk Cousins and still to this day do. But, boy, he takes a lot of criticism and maybe unfair criticism. How good of a quarterback do you think Kirk Cousins is? And you know what's funny is I'm the same person who tried to like have his back on the um on our podcast because the fact that I feel like a lot of the criticism comes from when he was with the Redskins and now when he comes here like kind of carried over. So um, I think he is a pretty decent quarterback. Um, I would say somewhere between maybe 15 and 11 overall, like 15 and 11 quarterback overall. Um, I think he does get a lot of flack for you know things that takes place and maybe because he's not such a vocal person. I reminds me of Joe Flacco a little bit, who kind of just does their job and goes about their business. But um, I think he can make big plays when he needs to, and we're just looking for him to kind of, I guess, get step up, maybe, you know, change the personality a little bit and become a little more vocal so people can kind of give a little less flack on him. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, it's like, and this is why, you know, again, I've liked him through the years, even going back to the Redskin days, but here I was at the Super Bowl, and I was down uh, at the, you know, because everything was at the Mall of America, and so I'm I'm going to the elevator to go up and uh, do do the show, and uh, I'm coming out of the one of the press rooms, and all of a sudden, guess who stops me? It was Kirk Cousins. He goes, hey, John, Kirk Cousins. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's like, can, can, uh, can I have a favor? It's like, what's that? Here's four of my high school teammates, and can we take a selfie with you? I mean, that's Kirk Cousins. I mean, you know, as much as he wants to be, you know, it's like people want him to be, you know, Aaron Rodgers and all these different things. That's just not his personality. I mean, he's he's more of the humble guy that uh, is not real vocal and is real nice. Right. But I feel like from far as the entertainment purpose, I feel like a lot of fans would like to see the other side. I feel like Joe Fleck was very much the same, um, very humble and just kind of like stays under the radar. Um mm-hmm. And I think with fans, sports fans, it may not excite them as much. But, I mean, to me, as long as you're out of here and do your job, put your best foot forward, um, I don't know what else they can expect from them. 
Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> I was talking uh, while we were waiting for you to call about because uh, I did a story for the Washington Post on Rick Spielman, who I thought was able to because you knew and he knew because they do everything as GMs in a three year cycle. Because, you know, three years ago, he's looking at this year and knew it was going to be tough. And so Everson Griffin, you know, the three top cornerbacks, uh, Linville Joseph, mm-hmm. uh, they end up going. And then I thought, OK, they've they've been able to rebound in the sense. And of course, they, had to tr- they traded Stefan Diggs, maybe not for cap purposes, but how he was in the locker room. Room, but they come back and you know they get in, unique in Doc way. I'm saying okay, they've weathered the storm, and the next thing you know, Daniil Hunter has the neck problem, and now may have to have surgery and miss the entire season. Right, and that was something we all looked forward to is uh, Hunter and Ngakwe um, playing together, and you know, giving us a great pass rush. But right now, we haven't been able to see that as much. Um, I feel like um, the defense. I would like to see them kind of step up a little bit more. Um, because I feel like the offense is coming along scoring, but we need the defense to stop some people too. Yeah, of course. I mean, you do the Vikings uh, podcast on the Believe uh, Podcast Network. People are now saying, is Mike Zimmer in trouble? It's like, he just signed a three-year contract extension. He's not in trouble. No, I don't think so at all. And I always say that too. It's like, you know, I think fans tend to kind of overreact quicker. Like, um, you know, when the First two games were um, we lost. First two games are like, oh, I think the season is. I'm like, how is the season over? It's only been two games. Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, fans, I feel like need to learn a little more patience. But uh, Zimmer isn't going to be going that quick just off of a, a rocky start at the beginning. I break down the, the uh, season into quarters. All right, we finished the first quarter um, one and three, but now we'll see how we produce in the second quarter, leading up to a bye week. What concerns there on the offensive line, which of course you 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 know so well, uh, because it seems like there are some issues on the line. Well, that, that unit is the, is the first time they've all played together um, as a as a five collective five unit, um, and I just feel like in offense in general, like like I was explaining on the show, offense is like you need all eleven guys to kind of operate at the same time on, a, on one accord. Where defense, you know, you can have ten guys all blow an assignment, somebody gets an uh, interception or a sack, and it's a big play for the defense. So, like, those guys needed time as far as quarterbacks and receivers with timing, offensive linemen, you know, communicating and passing off um, games between defenders, things like that. So, offense does take a little bit more time. They didn't have OTAs. They didn't have, you know, any uh, preseason games. So, I just feel like you're kind of low-key developing those guys now on the run in the middle of the season. Okay, so uh, Brian McKinney, how does everybody get the Vikings <clears throat> podcast on the Believe Podcast Network? They can feel free to click and check out Believe. Um, it's on uh, Spotify. Um, I think we're on iTunes as well. Um, I post it on my Twitter as well, so you can hit the link on my Twitter, which is Brian McKinney, B-R-Y-A-N-T-M-C-K-I-N-N-I-E. Um, my co-host, Dustin Baker, he posted it as well on his social media and um Definitely Spotify. Okay, great. Brian McKinney, always great talking to you. Good luck on the podcast, and we'll see how this game goes on Sunday night. Thank you very much. Okay. Hey, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to get out the report card. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we get out every day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes. We take the social media comments. We take the voices and we attach a grade to it. We do this every day. And so, Curtis Rogers, how do we start off today? 
Well, John, let's get going with the Tennessee Titans, who just cannot get out of their own way right now. Yeah, they're undefeated, but when will they play their next game? Who knows? They're up to, what, 20 people within the organization that have tested positive for COVID. And now there is photographic evidence that players met outside of an official team gathering to work out together, which, sure, yeah, you're getting better at football, but... The NFL right now mandates that you do not do such things outside of official team functions. So, John, how are we grading the Titans breaking protocol while all of this mess is going on? Uh, F minus. I mean, it's uh, and and I, I use the word F because the word I think is going to be following up is forfeiture. Because, you know, they now and, and, and again, Paul Kuharski was able to get uh, four, at least four pictures of uh, about 15 players, including Ryan Tannehill over at a practice over at a academy where they're on the field. No masks. They were trying to do football related things. And you just can't do that. And again, OK, if you can do it and not get caught. But again, anywhere you go. You're going to find pictures and things, and they found the pictures, and I have to think right now that what you're looking at, because of that violation of protocol, these players all should get fined, uh, heavy fines. I mean, you saw what happened, although the Players Association is contesting this. You know, you had you know uh, Waller and about uh, nine, ten members of the uh, Raiders over at a charity event for Waller, and they ended up, uh, you know, getting... Uh, you know, they have, have had some positive tests and things of that nature, but, uh, you know, they had no masks on. And so it was $30,000 fine for Waller and 15000 each for the other players. And so they're real serious about it. In this case, this is worse because now you've got a spread that forced uh, the game to be moved back between Pittsburgh and Tennessee. It risks the Buffalo game. I think right now this is an F minus. And I, if I'm the NFL on this one, and again, even in the fact that if the if the coaches didn't know about this, they had to know something that was going on uh, to monitor this. Because if they, if you say okay, you know, don't go and get the uh, players together, well, the players were together, and that was wrong. And so now you put the season at risk for the Titans. And I would have to think first. And, and of course, the other thing they didn't do is put them all in a hotel. Just say okay, you're in a hotel the rest of the year. You can't go out. I mean, you're in a bubble. Don't violate the bubble. So I think that they need to take away draft choices. I think they need to take heavy fines. They've got to come down heavy on the Titans. I I agree. I think the Titans need to learn from this huge, huge breach. Uh, I think this is something that they need to learn from because if you're not going to learn from this, you're going to continue to do this. The NFL put those protocols in place for a reason because they knew it would stop the spread of this virus amongst players and amongst staff members and, and all that. And uh, right now the Titans are, are holding things up across the NFL. They're the Miami Marlins. They're the St. Louis Cardinals right now because those two teams held things up in Major League Baseball for so long. And there's less wiggle room in the NFL to, to really reschedule games in order to get the things in order to get the season in on time. Uh, if a forfeiture is what the NFL brings down on them, I, I don't, see anybody outside of Nashville that would have a problem with it because their opponents, you know, to to throw off their schedule as much as they have, uh, it's not the fault of them. It's the fault of the Titans. So F all the way around for the Tennessee Titans. Also, John, on the report card, we talked about a little bit in behind the lines, uh, but Houston Texans and their former head coach, Bill O'Brien, uh, apparently getting into a shouting match with J.J. Watt during practice and during a game last week. Watt then, in turn, led sort of a player revolt against Bill O'Brien, leaving Houston 
no choice but to fire O'Brien because who are you going to pick in that in that instance? The face of the franchise, the greatest Houston Texan ever in J.J. Watt or Bill O'Brien. Well, O'Brien got his walking papers. How are we grading Bill O'Brien getting into a shouting match with the J.J. Watt? It's an F. Because, you know, if you're starting to lose the locker room and you get, you do that, and he was shouting at the assistant coaches, I mean, he's a shouter. I mean, that's why the owner has always been so scared of him because, you know, he just does all this all the time. And in the end, it's just it's not right. And so uh, if you lose the locker room, you lose the team and he's lost the team. They're 0-4. They're underachieving. They're underachieving both on offense and they're terrible on defense. One of the reasons they're terrible on defense is because, you know, <clears throat> he's overpaid some of the guys on offense and left the defense real thin. So they can't stop the run. They can't do anything. So uh, I give him a flat out F. Yeah, I give him an F as well. He had that firing coming when he went after J.J. Watt. Not a good not a good way to go about it. Also, John, on the report card, Aaron Rodgers, who I would say is well within the MVP conversation right now. Russell Wilson's up there. Josh Allen is up there. It seems like those three are kind of the talk of the MVP conversation. Well, Aaron Rodgers appeared on the Pat McAfee show with uh, Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk, former teammate of his, and was asked about sort of the bounce-back season he's having. Here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say. And do you think being a second year in your offense that you're currently in with the floor is a massive advantage to maybe what was happening last year? I mean, I don't know. Every every team is different. Every year is different. And, you know, circumstances in, in any year which allow you to have more success or, or make it more difficult for success just kind of depends on the situation. Um, it does help being a second year, for sure. I feel a lot more comfortable. But... You know, I, I sometimes laugh when people talk about, you know, down years for me, because a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. Uh-oh, John. It sounds Uh-oh. like Aaron Rodgers getting a little confident, a little oh, yeah. cocky there, a little smug. How are we grading Rodgers uh, throwing it down like that? Yeah, I'll give it a C. I mean, as much as I like Aaron and I do, it's like, okay, uh, you know, it's like you're you're having a monster year. You have done this in many ways because I think you want to show off the coach who traded away and moved into the first round to get Jordan Love and shorten your career there. I mean, you're on a mission right now, but uh, no need to brag. I mean, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. And, of course, you don't hear any bragging coming out of Russell Wilson. I mean, they're letting Russell cook, and you don't hear the bragging coming from Josh Allen. So it's like, uh, I'll give him a C for that one. Yeah, I'll give Aaron, uh, I'll give him a C minus. I mean, we all know he's a future Hall of Famer. We all know he's a lock for Canton. He's got a Super Bowl. He's one of the best quarterbacks of his era. I mean, yeah, when you do have a bad year, it's usually a good year for any other quarterback, but you're not any other quarterback. You're expected to have great years year in and year out. And, I mean, he hasn't been the Aaron Rodgers that we know, uh, that we've known over the last, you know, 15 years. This is, you know, a bounce back season for him. Congrats to him, but, uh, you know, hey. Get back out there on the field, Aaron. And then finally, John, let's wrap it up with this one. A good, a good story. Russell Westbrook, who you know he's a mercurial guy, but he was very appreciative of the service he received at the NBA bubble this past summer. So much so that he left an eight thousand dollar tip to the hotel staff for taking care of him. Uh, Russell Westbrook was quoted by ESPN's Royce Young saying they took great care of us, took the time and energy to do their job at a high level. That was the right thing. I like to do the right thing. Uh, 
John, how are we grading this tremendous gesture? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, $8,000 to any hotel worker, that is that is life-changing money. So how are we grading Russell Westbrook? It's probably the first time in Russell Westbrook that I'm giving a good grade because he's always been such a polarizing <laughs> figure. But I'm going to give him an A. I mean, it's like, hey, didn't have to do it. I mean, you know that the NBA, you know that the team, you know, they've taken care of the staff as best they can. But to show that kind of a gesture, I think, is great. And so I'm going to give him an A. Absolutely. I'm giving him an A as well, especially under these circumstances those those people were you know having to take time away from their families in order to live in the NBA bubble alongside these players uh, for Russell Westbrook to look out for those people uh, who obviously don't make as much money as he does. Uh, just a tremendous gesture by him. Shout out to Russell Westbrook. That is it for today's report. Okay, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go into Busy Hard Seltzer text line. Take your text questions. The text line is 710-710. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. We are taking your text questions at 710-710 on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. So, Curtis, what do we have? John, from the 425, they want to know, do you think any team claims DeMarcus Christmas after Seattle put him on waivers yesterday? You know, honestly, no. And the only reason I say that, it's not because of Christmas. And, you know, maybe somebody is going to be short a defensive tackle, but hardly anybody's being claimed on waivers. I mean, that's the amazing part. And I think part of it is because, uh, you know, it's like uh, maybe that's going to start changing now that they've changed the protocol in the standpoint that it's, uh, if you're bringing somebody new in that hasn't been tested uh uh, then it's like a now a six-day process, so maybe that's the case. But I'd say no. And I mean, you notice that there's not been uh, one Seahawk, to my, to my knowledge, that's been claimed. I mean, I can go through the waiver wires each day, but there's been very few waiver claims. Good, con- good con- question. This one from the four two five. They say, "Hey JC, what does the Snacks Harrison signing mean for Puna Ford's reps?" Uh, he probably gets a little bit more rest once you know you get the uh, snacks up to speed and get him in there. But you know, and, and it's interesting because what this does, you know, it, it I think it you know gives a little bit of a break for Jaron Reed. But again, you know, Damon and uh, is more of a first and second down defensive tackle, much like Puna Ford. And so because of that, you know, you you, you get the idea that you know Jaron Reed's a three down type of guy, and uh, now you can get more of the uh, you know the the five techniques to get involved on the passing downs. You can put you know Damon out there a little bit on that, but I think what it does it just it makes it a little bit easier on a long season that uh, you know you don't have to overdo it because a couple weeks ago there was way too many snaps for Jaron Reed and probably way too many snaps for Puna Ford. A couple of Text questions about Quentin Dunbar's availability, the 206 and the 425. They want to know what is his timeline to return. Uh, still up in the air. And again, they may take the caution, knowing that they have division games coming after the bye week, that if the knee still is bothering him for the next couple of days, then maybe they'll pass on him. But, uh, you know, I think for a game like this, you know, they probably, I, I think they would, they would have more of a tendency to try to get him out there over Jamal Adams, not because of how valuable they are, but just to have, you know, an extra cover guy that can be there, and they try to just sit. But again, you know, we'll see how the injury report starts to come out here on Wednesday and Thursday. This question might be impossible to answer, Professor, but we're going to do it. The 206 wants to know, who do you think wins the NFC East? Uh... <laughs> Good question. Yeah. I think in the end it's still going to be Dallas because uh, you can see the Eagles are a dumpster fire right now with injuries and the struggling of 
uh, Carson Wentz. And you know what's going to be here's what's going to be interesting because uh, I think this week is now because they were what two eleven and one the uh, NFC East against the rest of the league. But now you start to have division games in a bad division. And so I think that with the Eagle problems uh, that they're having, that Dallas can start winning the game against the Eagles, the Giants, and that. And so I can see maybe, you know, the Giant, the, the, the Cowboys going like 5-1 and one in these games. And then, of course, being a dumpster fire on the other games. 509 wants to know, how would you grade Ethan Posick's first quarter of the season? I give him a B. I mean, I think you give the you have to give the offensive line a B. And again, I know ESPN. We're waiting for the updated stats right now, but uh, you know they had the offensive line in pass blocking, and of course we're talking pass blocking, winning sixty six percent of their blocks, and uh, that was fifth best in the league as of last week. And you notice, I mean, they had a clean game. There was no penalties. You know, they did a great job of you know not keeping the pressure off of Russell. Yeah, I know that with him running around, he's still getting the three sacks a game. But uh, no, I think that uh, they. They've done a good job. Ethan's done a good job, and he just seems that the offensive line seems to be settled. This one, this is a good one from the five hundred nine. They want to know how would you rate Brandon Shell after four games in comparison to Jermaine Effetti and George Fant? Uh, well, I like George Fant, and so I would have you know if I'm giving a grade, you know, uh, you know, I think Effetti would be a C or C minus. I think that Shell would be a B, and I would have to think that uh, Fant would be kind of a B minus. Okay, okay. This one comes to us from the 425. They want to know, Mr. Professor, what is your favorite snack to eat while watching a football game? Hmm, well, it's it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm so intense on watching the games. And, of course, remember, it's like this is the first year ever where I'm not at games. You know, I'm, I'm here at home. And so usually the way my schedule goes, I don't really eat anything until, uh, you know, uh, in the evening. You know, uh, so uh, when I'm watching a game, I don't snack on anything because, again, I've never had the opportunity to because, again, I'm always at a game. Now, if there's something in the press box then I'll go get that. But, uh, you know, this is all new to me right now. This one from the 206. They want to know, did you hear anything about Michael Kendricks's workout with the Seahawks yesterday? Uh, I, no, not really. And again, that could be because of the slowness of the protocols and everything else, uh, because, you know, he just got in here yesterday. And again, like even on the Damon Snacks Harrison, he's agreed to the contract. But now when is he going to be able to sign it once he cleared protocol? Because both of them got here yesterday. So uh, I'm sure that he has not worked out. Uh, you know, he's going through the protocol and we'll see. So I still think there's a decent chance because I think there's another spot that's there on the practice squad that he still might come in there. And that'd be a great addition for the Seattle Seahawks. From the 253, they want to know where does Ryan Neal fit in once Jamal Adams returns? Uh, I just get the feeling that uh, he'll be competing against uh, Lano Hill for the uh, backup job. Uh, because, you know, you, you can see how well he did. You got the back injury. So now it's one where, I mean, he did so well with the 80, what, with the 67, 68 plays. Of, uh, he was out there because he was out there for every snap. He did so well. But, you know, right now I think that uh, he's the backup. Four and one, or four two five, I should say, wants to know, John, who do you think wins this week between the three and one Colts and the three and one Browns? Mm, I think it's going to be the Colts because you got Philip Rivers going against a uh, against uh, Baker Mayfield, and right now the one thing that you can see is that you know again a lot of this is because this is the AFC, and so there's lesser quarterbacks in the AFC, and Baker's done a good job, but you know. Uh, it's going to hurt if Darius Leonard's not going to be able to play for the Colts. Uh, you know that uh, you know Philip Rivers is a smart quarterback. I give the edge to Philip. 
This one comes to us from the 360. They want to know, John, do you think Alex Smith plays a down for the Washington football team this year? Well, it's getting closer because today with the benching of Dwayne Haskins, you know, he's now the backup quarterback. And so that probably means that Haskins is going to be inactive. So if anything happens as far as a bad game, you know, by uh, Kyle Allen or an injury, Alex Smith right now looks like he's in a position to get back on the field. 509 wants to know, John, what do you think of Haloti Nata's chances of making the Hall of Fame? Um, not, I don't think it's going to be too good. I mean, again, he was a real good player, but again, was he the great Hall of Fame type player? So I'd say no. He was he was really good with Baltimore oh, and, yeah. and all those years with them. So, yeah, I don't think he was great enough to end up in Canton. But. Yeah, because one of the lines we use all the time is, is he in the hall, hall of Great or the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Good? And he was in the Hall of Very Good, but I don't think in the Hall of Great. This one from the 206. They want to know, what did you think of Kansas City's performance against New England on Monday night? Solid. I mean, they dominated the game. And again, maybe if you win and you're playing New England, you're playing Bill Belichick, and you win and it wasn't even close, I think they did better on defense than anybody thought. But of course, so much of that was a bad play of Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. But I thought they did well. And this one from the 509, John, they want to know how close is the NFL to requiring each team to create a bubble atmosphere at a team hotel? Here's here's how close it is. The next team that has an outbreak like the Tennessee Titans, they're all going to be ordered to go into a bubble at a hotel. And, you know, that's not going to go over very well because that probably means that, uh, you know, you now have to sacrifice and not have, you know, be with family or anything of that nature. But uh, I think that, you know, the next team that has an outbreak like this, that's when it's going to happen. This one from the 206. They want to know, do you think DJ Dallas will see his reps increase as the season goes along? Uh, no, I think it'll – because I think right now he's still behind Travis Homer, even though he did some good things in the game on Sunday, because Homer does well on special teams. DJ does too. But, uh, you know, remember, what's going to make it go less is that Carlos Hyde should be back this week, and then in a couple weeks it'll be Rashad Penny. And this one from the 206, John, they want to know, with Aaron Rodgers playing so well, do you think that will push back Jordan Love's timeline to take over for him? Doubt it. I mean, you know, Brett Favre played well in his last two years there, and, uh, you know, it still made him move on because, you know, it's going to make the coach, it's going to make the general manager look bad, and that's why I think it was a bad move to do this. I mean, you have a quarterback who wants to be there for four years, could be there for four years, so I think that, uh, you know, this is one where, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to pay the price for it, but, uh, you know, I think in the end it's like uh, Aaron's gone after 2021. That'll do it for text questions. And, of course, that was on the Busy Hard Seltzer text line. Coming up next, our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And it's time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so the storm did it. Winning easily, 92-59. They get their fourth championship. And, you know, Bjorn Stewart gets a, another second-time MVP for the uh, championship, all those different things. And uh, I think the debate right now, and see if you agree with this, because we've both been around here so long, which was the most dominating franchise in Seattle history? And if, see if I'm missing one, but I think right now it's either the Storm this year or the 2013 Seahawks, which dominated on defense. And just like the Storm just blowing everybody away in the championship, Seattle blowing away Peyton Manning and the Cowboys, or the Dallas uh, Denver Broncos, in the Super Bowl. 
So just for one season, we're talking about just one season. Yeah, the great, the great, the greatest sports season in Seattle history. I'm probably missing some, but uh, which one would you go? Well, I mean, there was a 66-win Sonic team that was a pretty good season, and their championship year obviously was a pretty good year. Um, 116-game winning Mariner season, but it didn't end with a championship, and that's the caveat. So I would, I would agree. I would say that those would be the, the top two for sure. And and um, 92-59. I mean, that was really quite a blot last night, but so was 43 to eight. So it's it's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to beg off and say too tough to call yeah no, that's fair i mean because again but I mean, now so the 66 sonics 66 win sonic team that would be right up there and what what other ones uh 116 win mariner team mm-hmm. but they i mean both the, they and the sonics didn't make it in the playoffs and we're talking about uh regular season and postseason and and you can't you can't you can't differentiate so i mean even though the the mariners set an all-time uh, wins record tied the cubs of the national league for the all-time wins record they didn't make it to the world series and and the sonics lost the for the first number one seed to lose to a number eight seed in the postseason so regular season those guys are there but no for what you're talking about uh there those are the only two contenders yeah and that's the thing that uh, what i look at is that uh not only you win the championship but you dominate in the championship just like the uh, seahawks did against denver just like you saw the storm do against vegas i think the storm have swept their last three or three of their four championship series so yes uh those are definitely the two most dominant teams and and you know you got to hand it give it to the storm for a franchise because they've won four mm-hmm What's interesting That's is that as much as everyone else combined, you know what the stat that surprised me the most is that when, of course, what? this just seems silly, but it's like uh, that Sue Bird's 39 and has been around 16 I years. I think she's 40, John, or about yeah. to be 40. Yeah, but isn't that amazing? Well, yeah, she's the, she, she doesn't look any older than she did when she came into the league. Uh, I'd say there's uh, in terms of how she plays, she plays just as well. I agree. There's one comparison, and he's playing right now. It's LeBron James. Mm-hmm, they came mm-hmm. into the league the same year, 17th season for both of them. Uh, LeBron is still doing doing his thing and still dominating, and the Lakers are about to win a championship. And Sue Bird was uh, instrumental last night uh, in helping Brianna Stewart win the MVP and, and win the fourth championship for the Storm. So, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a good comparison right there. And they've uh, had a few friendly exchanges on Twitter, I've noticed, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that was a great one. So now, I guess the the big challenge is okay. How do you uh, celebrate with the fans on what was a just a great, great season? Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I don't know what they're going to do about that because uh, you're right. It is a challenge, and and uh, I'm I, it's. I mean, I can't imagine it's going to be anything but virtual. Although I haven't heard anything yet, mm-hmm. uh, I would imagine that's going to be the deal. Yeah, no doubt. But the big thing is they accomplished it. They did it. And it was sensational to watch uh, because they made it so one-sided. And this is just a special group with special talent. Well, Brianna Stewart, you know, deserves a little special acclamation here. She's 26. She's two-time uh, league MVP. She's a two-time finals MVP. She's won a gold medal. Uh, she is uh, she is one heck of a player, and she's 26 years old. So, uh, you know, you're right. It's a good group, but uh, you've got you've got the best player in the league, and that never hurts. Mm-hmm. Oh, no doubt about it. In fact, here's one that I mean, maybe we're missing. Which which uh, Sounders team would be qualified to be in that elite group? Well, I mean, they've won one championship, so yeah. that would there only be. I mean, again, you, we're, we're kind of making um, you know postseason count. So it's got to be their championship season. And I don't know that I think that they were they were as dominant uh, necessarily as as either the Storm were or, or the Seahawks were, but 
I don't, you know, I don't remember the details of that year as well as I remember the details of these two, obviously. Yeah, no doubt, but it's 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 fantastic. Well, we're getting more ideas coming out uh, from Tennessee with the Titans. Uh, I know my buddy Paul Kuharski who worked with at ESPN. He he was able to obtain four pictures of uh, you know on September 30th. It looks like 15 players were assembled at an academy uh, trying to just have some practice in that. No, nobody was wearing a mask, and uh, I'm seeing now some of the players that were there allegedly were uh, now saying, "Well, how do you know these pictures are us?" It's like, well, it's like you can you know focus in and see that Ryan right. Tannehill was one of the players. And so it's like, and Stephen Gilmore tested positive too, and and uh, it's uh, it's very nervous time around the NFL right now. I mean, there's, you know, when the Gilmore had his positive test, they showed a picture of him hugging Patrick Mahomes. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the the league has got to be uh, got to be a little concerned today, John. I would think. Yeah, but I think the one thing that you know, made it okay is that the you know the Patriots who are not practicing today didn't have any additional positive tests. Now again, they got Cam Newton. And he was asymptomatic, so he may be able to play this week. They had a practice squad defensive tackle go with a positive test. And then you got Gilmore, and we don't know if he's symptomatic or not. Still too early to tell on that. But, uh, you know, the the big thing is is that they, they were able to stop it and come out of it okay on for the Monday night game, except for now we got Gilmore in addition. Uh, but the Tennessee one is, I think, just the one that's going to be brutal because sure. I, I have to think. And, you know, it's, it's funny because, I mean, every day they're changing the rules and trying to make them tougher and so now the the guilt thing is going to be that the titans shouldn't be uh getting a forfeit because if they don't play this game against buffalo you know then they have to create a week 18 but they're the ones that put themselves in that position and the idea that they might be able to not get away with a forfeit is last week's rule doesn't include forfeits this week's new rules includes forfeits but if they find out that after the 30th that uh there was that same group of players doing the same things then i think they got to forfeit the game and then lose draft choices well, I mean, it's uh, it's it's definitely remindful as I'm watching the Braves play the the, the Marlins right now, of the first uh, week or two or three weeks of, of the Major League Baseball season when everyone was trying to get things figured out. So, you know, it's uh, it's, it's dancing on eggshells at this point for the NFL. You're right, nothing nothing terrible yet, but um, you know, if there are more teams that that have outbreaks like the Titans, they're going to be in a difficult spot as we've talked about because. NFL schedule doesn't allow for the same kind of flexibility as baseball would or, or any of the other sports would. And baseball could just have and did have teams play a bunch of double headers, and you can't do that in the NFL. No, that's true. And so, uh, yeah, because because now if you're Tennessee, I mean, you have no more bye weeks. That's gone. I mean, you right. just had it last week. And, you know, during that time, you were doing what you weren't supposed to do, and that's having players assemble. I mean, again, where I'm disappointed in the Titans is that, you know, seeing what they're seeing and they get the 18 positive tests, and then we get 19 and 20 today over a nine-day period, it's like, hey, how come you're not putting these guys in the hotel bubble and not letting them out? That's what needs to happen. Yeah. That's right. It's going to need to, and it's probably going to need to happen for everyone before things are done. But um, let's keep our fingers crossed because, uh, like I said, baseball was able to pull it off, and hopefully the NFL will get some good news here in the next couple of days. Yeah, because they need it. But uh, you know, they I do. do think I do think the NFL is doing a good job. But again, you're not going to be perfect, and there are going to be positive tests. Well, they can't. I mean, they can't anticipate everything. I mean, like you talked about, like we've talked about. You know, for everyone going through this, you know, you can you kind of look at, you know, the NFL had the luxury of looking at what other teams did and other leagues did, but every every league's got their own unique situation, or unique set of circumstances, and as you pointed out quite accurately, you got to have a, a never-changing rule book 
to try and stay ahead of things. And it's uh, it's definitely proving to be a challenge for the NFL, no doubt about it. No doubt, of course. But it's always great to have the unique ability to talk on a daily basis with the Dave Grosby on our Daily Dose of the Gros. Dave, enjoy today. John, we'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks, buddy. All right, sounds good. And, of course, we will be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.